You're listening to Deliberate Living, a podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a full-time nomad and writer who has been living in my 1997 Ford van since January 1st of 2019. I travel the United States with my dog, learning how to live with more authenticity. I explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life of all been sold and live on their terms, finding freedom and happiness however they Welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am your host, Holly Priestley. Are you guys getting sick of that intro yet? Should I like switch it up? I don't know if I will, because that's what's ingrained in me now. But I feel like, you know, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard it some 60 some odd times. But anyway, <laughs> this week I am tackling another listener q and I think this is my third one that I've done. And if you have you know, any questions that I haven't answered on the podcast before, please always feel free to send them to me, leave them in the comments or send me a DM or whatever. And I will do my best to answer you, you know, in the moment. And then I might also tack it on to another uh, podcast in the future because, you know, the questions that you guys have are probably a lot more universal than you think they are. Um, And so I want to do my best to answer them. So uh, before I launch into these listener Q&As, I want to remind everybody that this is an audience-supported podcast, and that means that I don't have any sponsors, and I will never have any of those annoying ad breaks. Even in the YouTube versions of these podcasts, I don't do like mid-roll ads or anything because they're just so annoying. And so consider this your quote-unquote ad for the week. If you like this podcast, If you could like it, subscribe, give it a thumbs up or a five stars, leave it a review, send it to somebody who you think needs to hear maybe the answers to these questions, that would be awesome. This is the number one best way for you guys, me, us, to keep getting this podcast out there to more people and getting the information out to those who need to hear it. Um, Also, if you want to financially support the podcast and help offset some of the costs that go into producing it each and every week, I have a Venmo and a PayPal set up. And if you want some behind-the-scenes action, I have a Patreon as well. And I'm going to be working on my Patreon over the next few weeks and updating my tiers so that y'all might actually get some, like, goodies in the mail from me and, and more exclusive content. So if that's something that you want, again... All the links are in the description, they are in the show notes, they are always in the text that is accompanied with this show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and launch into these four questions for this week's listener Q&A. The first question for this week is, uh, since you don't work like a regular job or live a regular life, do you pay taxes? And what about getting older? And so basically I do pay taxes. I do it all by the book. Um, A few years ago, before I even moved into the van, taxes got really complicated with all of the different jobs I was working um, and all the different businesses that I was a part of and all the different income streams that I had. And then also, you know, my property that I've been renting out for a few years. Um, Things just got so complicated and I was so stressed out that I hired a tax professional to help me with my taxes, and I have kept using him and his team for the past few years, even since I moved into the van and things got maybe less complicated, but somehow they feel more complicated. And, you know, it's not cheap to pay a professional to do it, but it gives me a lot of peace of mind knowing that my taxes are being done properly by a professional. And, you know, should I ever get audited, 
he's going to handle that and I don't have to deal with it. Um, and so, you know, every year taxes are still stressful, but they are slightly less stressful because I don't have to rely on my own lack of knowledge about the IRS and all of the forms to get it done. I just send everything that I possibly can to him and his team. They send me any questions that they still have. And then uh, I pay the taxes and I pay the quarterlies based on his estimates and I do my best to do everything properly. That said, I'm 31 years old and I really, really do not expect Social Security to be a thing when I'm old enough to draw from it. I pay into it, you know, because I pay my taxes, but I am not relying on it in any way, shape or form. I don't think that the way we have it is very sustainable and I don't expect it to be there when I'm in my 60s. If it is, Yahtzee, you know, added bonus. Um, but because I don't have any expectation of receiving any, I am taking my future like into my own hands. Um, I have been contributing to a Roth IRA for the past few years. Um, and if I'm able to max it out, which has really only happened once so far, but if I'm able to max out my uh, retirement contributions there, I do throw the money that I was putting into retirement into various investment accounts. And I'm not an expert by any means, not by any stretch of the imagination, and I'm still learning a ton about investing, and it can definitely be a roller coaster, but based on all the personal finance reading that I've done and everything that I've learned, I know that it's better to start now and to start small rather than like not starting at all or like waiting until I'm even older than I am. Um, and to be honest, like I really wish that I would have started sooner. And I think that's true. I don't think anybody who's contributing to any kind of retirement thinks that they started too soon. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a look into my non-regular job uh, taxes and future planning. I do think that personal finance is a really important thing to learn. I'm super passionate about it. I've read a lot of books on it and listened to a lot of podcasts and um, you know that sort of thing. And if you don't know anything about personal finance, it feels very overwhelming. Even the concept of just like making a basic budget can be a lot for some people. And so, you know, you don't have to start out. I didn't start out doing all the things I'm doing now. I started out really simply and really basic. Um, and I'm happy to share, you know, book recommendations if you need them, but definitely take your personal finances into account now. Um, and you know, plan for your future. Don't rely on anybody else. Certainly not the government. That's my recommendation. Second question is, I'm building out my van now, and how much water do you suggest I plan on being able to carry? And so the answer here varies greatly depending on your needs. My recommendation is that you probably need less than you think you do. Water is kind of one of those confusing things when you live in a house, you don't have any idea how much water you're using on a regular basis. You just turn on the faucet and the water comes out. And that's certainly a privilege and a benefit of living in the United States. But overall, a lot of people who live in houses and who are considering moving into vans have no idea about their like water economy. They don't know about their water budget. And I didn't either when I first moved into the van. When I first started two and a half years ago, I carried about nine gallons of water um, with me. At the time, I had one of those like seven gallon cubes and then I had two or three like one gallons that I kept um, relatively full. And at that time, uh, you know, 
nine gallons or so would last me about a week of like cooking, uh, cleaning and drinking for me and the dog. I didn't use this water for like showering or laundry or any of that, just the basics, cooking and drinking and cleaning. Um, I was also traveling a lot more that first year. And so I found myself in cities and in towns where water refill stations were pretty readily available and I never like ran out or anything like that. So nine gallons was what I started with. Last year when the pandemic took over, I found myself in cities and towns less and wanting to be in the woods more and the nine gallons was kind of a limiting factor. So at that point I upgraded my water system and added another six gallon container to my collection. And over that first year, at least, you know, I'd replace the one gallons a few times. So these days I carry about 14 gallons of water at any given time. And since the pandemic and being in the woods more and in cities less, I do use this water for like washing my hair um, and my laundry on occasion, in addition to cooking, cleaning and drinking. Um, and so, you know, I have more water, but I use more water, but it does allow me to stay out in the woods a little bit longer, usually closer to like 10 to 14 days. Again, just depending on what I'm cooking. But you know, the dog and I have to stay hydrated and occasionally I like to clean stuff. When it comes to figuring out your build, if you're still in the building process of your van or in the planning process, keep in mind that whatever water you bring with you will weigh you down. I think a gallon of water is like eight pounds or something like that. And so Depending on the type of van that you are going to be living in, weight matters. Um, some rigs can't handle a lot of extra weight. Eloise Van Gogh, my van, is a Ford E350, and that means that it can handle so much more weight than the E150. I don't know all of the details and the science behind it, but 150, 250, 350 are, you know, increasing amounts of weight that, like, the frame can carry. So if you're in a 150, you might need to be more mindful of how much water you have, what kind of materials you use in your build-out, etc. Um, and so Eloise, my van, came with a 30-gallon water tank that's mounted to the bottom um, of her. And it's broken, and it's been broken since the beginning, and I've never bothered to get it fixed because I don't need to. But if I had... If, if I did use the 30 gallon tank, 30 gallons of water is very heavy and it will reduce your rig's mileage um, and may impact your build out. So that's something to consider. Also, when it comes to water and van builds, you'll have to account for the water both when it's new and when it's not new. Gray water tanks weigh just as much as freshwater tanks. And it's a good idea to have as much gray water storage as you do freshwater storage. So keep that in mind when you're designing your home on wheels in terms of like the layout, but also the weight distribution. The next question, have you run into any or many van lifers in their 50s? Short answer, yes. Longer answer, I'm not like a scientific expert on this or anything. I haven't done any like Censuses, sensei. Um, but I believe there are actually more rubber tramps uh, on the road in the older generations than in the younger ones. If you see a lot of vanners online, many are younger than 50. Not all, not by a long shot. I know a lot of vanners with an online presence who are 
you know, in the older generations, but a lot of us who use Instagram and YouTube and the internet to kind of share our lifestyle are younger. And so that can skew the representation sometimes and make people believe that the, that this is a young person's game and that only young people are doing it. And that's just flat out not true. There are so many older banners out there, some even in their seventies and eighties who are thriving and loving life. And of course there are some who aren't, who are not on the road by choice, but out of necessity. Um, but I believe based on what I've experienced in two and a half years, going to a couple of events and just traveling the Western half of the United States, that the largest demographic of road people are those who are older than 50. If you're looking for a specific type of person to follow or watch or learn from like online or, you know, even meet in person, I would recommend searching Facebook and other internet resources for groups or forums that cater specifically to certain lifestyles. For me, prior to moving into the van and since, I mostly looked for women's only groups. Um, and there are so many of those like women banners, women, women van life, women on the road, women RVs, etc. And there are groups for pretty much anything you could look for or any specific lifestyle you are living or are curious about. There are groups for vanners with YouTube. There are groups for vanners who are retired. There are groups for vanners who are with families. There are groups for vanners who are traveling with pets. Pretty much anything you want to find, you can find a group for it, or you can make the group and then other people can join. These groups and forums are really great resources for the van curious because you can ask whatever the hell specific question you have and get real answers from real people living their real lifestyles. And yeah, based on my experience living my specific lifestyle, I think that the majority of vanners are older folks are couples and are single men. I don't actually know that there are a ton of single women doing this, and there certainly weren't a few years ago. I think there are more single women doing it now because of the representation. And so if you're going to be moving into a rig and you don't necessarily see your demographic being represented, by all means, start a YouTube, do an Instagram, start a group, do all those things because the more people you see living the life that you want to live or the life that you are living, the more motivation, encouragement, and inspiration it gives to the other, you know, van curious or lifestyle curious people when they can actually see other people like them doing it. All right. And the final question for this week's listener Q&A, do you think quitting your job and starting a YouTube channel about van life is a viable income stream? Or should someone considering van life keep their regular job? And I'm going to go ahead and say that neither of those options is necessarily the end-all, be-all of van jobs. YouTube as a business can seem really glamorous and easy and fun, but it's actually a lot of work. The reality is that it's you know never a guarantee that you're going to resonate with the right people and monetize, it could take a lot of time to really get the viewership and the audience needed to make money from that channel. So that's the quick and dirty on YouTube. But that said, like if you're moving into a van because you want more freedom from your daily life and from your regular job, you shouldn't necessarily like keep the job and move into the van. Like that kind of defeats the purpose, I think. There are just so many options for making a living on the road. And like some of them, yeah, are keeping your nine to five or finding a new nine to five. 
Um, you could work seasonally, you could be part of the gig economy, you could start a YouTube or like an OnlyFans or whatever. You could be working remotely for your company or for a different company. You could start your own company. You could, you know, sell your artwork. You could, I mean, who the hell knows? Like whatever sounds interesting to you. And that's not necessarily like only vanners have all of these, you know, job and income options open to them. But this was a YouTube vanner specific question. So if you want to go the YouTube route, I recommend that you actually like the process of making videos and that, you know, you focus putting and that you focus putting out quality content that actually like adds value to and resonates with the lives of your audience. Also, give yourself as much financial runway as you possibly can before quitting your other income opportunities to solely focus on YouTube. Again, because it is so unpredictable about what's going to resonate and when that you just don't really know. So keep as many income opportunities as you can, as long as you can, because you just never know what YouTube is actually going to do. Also, don't try to be perfect when you start out with your YouTube channel. Put as much work into it as you can, make it as good as you can, but also 80% now is better than 100% never. So just get the fuck started. I mean, these podcasts for me are recorded on my computer audio, you know, like I don't have a special microphone. I don't use a special camera. My YouTube and my vlogs were largely uh, shot on my phone, whatever phone I've had over the last few years. I just recently in the last few weeks started using my really, really, really old DSLR. It doesn't even have autofocus. It's kind of a hassle, <laughs> but I'm trying to use the materials that I have available to me. Um, and you know, I used iMovie for my editing until very recently because that was free and came with my computer. Um, so just do what you can with what you already have don't try to make it perfect. If you want to start a YouTube or an Instagram or an OnlyFans or whatever, do it now. Start now. Start small. Start imperfect. You're going to continue imperfect and learn as you go and get better as you're able to. When it comes to YouTube or literally anything else, the most important thing is to have fun with it. If it's not fun, it's going to suck the soul right out of you. And like, that's kind of defeating the purpose of like changing your whole life to like live in this tiny home on wheels and like have all of that freedom. So if YouTube is the route you want to go, by all means, go for it. But don't rely on it to start replacing your regular income within 30 days. If you do decide to keep your regular job for a few months as you transition into moving into the van, you'll be able to really focus on like saving all of that money that was previously going to rent or a mortgage. And that amount of money is usually pretty extreme. In a lot of places in America, I mean, like a cheap rent is like, I don't know, four or five, six hundred dollars. The last apartment that I was renting before I moved into the van was like a thousand dollars a month. Um, so that's like a pretty good chunk of change. And if you keep your regular job, but you're not paying that amount, you can really, really boost your emergency fund or even just like a savings cushion. And that can give you the peace of mind needed to pursue those more creative endeavors like a YouTube. So this is kind of a tough question and I feel like I need to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the person who asked it or with anybody who's considering it because your goals and your lifestyle are all going to differ and there's no like one right way to do anything. We all have so many variables in our lives, in what we need, in our personalities, etc, etc. So I'm going to wrap that one up there. 
because I feel like I can get a little long-winded and go down some rabbit holes. But this has been another edition of Deliberate Living Listener Q&A, and I hope that you guys learned something from it. If you have additional things you want to add, if I didn't answer one of these questions in full, leave it in the comments. You know, if you have more questions that maybe these sparked, leave them in the comments. I'll do my best to answer them in the future. And again, I want to thank every single person who has taken the time out of their life to listen or watch or read any of these episodes because y'all are what keep me going and I make it for you. I mean, I make it for me because I enjoy making it, but like ultimately I make it for you guys and I'm just glad that anyone is enjoying it and that we have as many listeners and downloads as we've had so far. So let's keep this an audience sponsored podcast. Keep all of the ads away. And I hope you guys tune in next week for another excellent episode. Bye. We've reached the end of this episode of Deliberate Living. You can find the show notes and everything we referenced over on my website. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube or sign up for email updates every time something new is published. I'll see you next time on Deliberate Living. And until then, keep your life on the DL too.